today's show, our team ego is Nico Lapalusa. He's a TikToker, the host of the Goodwin Podcast, and my brother. Nico, welcome to the show. Hey, Vince. Vincent. So how does it feel? You are the very first true team ego on the show. How does it feel? Man, I'm honored. I really, really, really am. I'm so, I'm glad you decided to, um, you know, to do this. You've been uh, talking my ear, in my ear about your passions for tea. And um, I'm glad now you're sharing some of that knowledge with, with the rest. It's a very diverse and uh, it's a lovely topic. And I think it, yeah, well, I can, t- I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I appreciate that, man. No, I, I really do. And you've been a big inspiration for me following these things. So, so it's just, yeah, it's exciting to finally do this with you and to get this going. So uh, if you're new to the show, I like to start off the shows by sharing some tea with my team egos. So today, Nico and I are drinking what's called Essiac tea. Now, I know I'm supposed to be the tea expert here, but I am brand new to this tea. Nico, do you know much about this tea? This tea was given to me uh, at a, there was like a, at the church group I go to, there was a, a table of like, take me things. Mm. This box of tea was on, on the take me things, and I and I talked to one of my friends about it, and and I'm like, do you know anything about this tea? She's like, it's good for the lymphatic system. Now, mm. that's like that was a buzzword for me because uh, I had lymphatic cancer earlier this year. So, you know, anything to kind of clean out the system, um, you know, anything to program my mind to take in something that's uh, that's helping me stay healthy or clean. I'm particularly sensitive to right now. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, some of the only things I've really read on this tea, the buzzword is anti-cancer when you, when it comes to this tea, but so let's, I mean, I really, like I said, I've only tried this a couple of times. You want to explain kind of how yours tastes? Oh yeah. Um, I feel like if you uh, if you found like if you found Sasquatch and you gave him a foot bath and and then you added a little bit of of pine zest, um, you you got something like armadillo soup. Maybe I describe it as, or it tastes like a oak tree looks. Maybe is a good yeah. way of describing it. You know, healthy, clean, healthy, and. Um, it's like I feel like I'm one with with uh I feel like I've been camping. I feel like there's a campsite in my mouth. Yeah, you definitely lick lick the bottom of a boot that's that's been through the mud. I mean that's yeah in, like, in a sweeter way. Like it's it's it was nice sweet mud. Sweet um, mud. Yeah, four day hiking adventure through Yosemite, you know. Yeah. Yeah, protected land mud. Yeah. I think. Yeah, that's a that's good. I mean, like the smell, not same. Yeah, it's all the same. The, the pretty much you you think you nailed it right on the head. So, to this tea is actually it's a 
combination of four different herbs. And I don't know them off the top of my head, but I did look it up. Those herbs are burdock root, sheep sorrel, Indian rhubarb root, and slippery elm. Now, that – I don't know. Do you have any experience with those? Any of those? Uh, well, I mean, my, my time at Hogwarts really helped me, helped me understand it. I mean, this tastes like my dreams of owning a bison ranch. You know, and that all does sound a little bit made up. Are those real things that you're referring to? Uh, yeah, I, I see pictures they, and the pictures look real on this website. So, yes, because I'm a, I'm a chemical engineer and they, they did make sure that to tell you that to follow everything you find online, especially when there's pictures. Mm. So. So, yes, um, th these are real. And actually goes a little bit in so here burdock root is used traditionally to help maintain a healthy gastrointestinal tract help support a healthy immune response sheep sorrel wait burdock roots also what harry used to breathe underwater during the uh, yes. during the wizard oh, side note also is basically like gills um i'm gonna stick my head under the bathtub after drinking this and see what happens yeah sheep sorrel a combination of growing wool-like back hair, but also was a folk herbal herbalism. Yes, sorry. So sheep-like back hair, along with folk herbalism, to help cool the body. So I think because that's like with dogs, you know how you're not supposed to shave them, like in the summer. Maybe not. Yeah, I I don't shave my dog. Yeah, I think it's because you, you the hair actually keeps the coolness in, so it's probably similar. You know, for those who don't know, maybe just listening, um, uh, Vince and I share a last name, and our last name uh, is La Palusa. Now, it means nothing to most English speakers, and it, it, it meant it was as, as significant as any last name could be to anyone for me growing up, but up until recently... I'm figuring out more and more people are telling me about my last name. I went to South America. I shared my last name when I lived down there. People would laugh in my face. Why? Because La Pelusa, if you break it apart, La Pelusa, it means in most Spanish-speaking countries, fuzz, down, lint. But also in, a, in like an Italian sense, Pelusa, Pelu, like a, a Pelusa refers to hair, like a hairy one. Now, this being said, we're particularly hairless. I've known Vince for for a long time. He, hairless. You can probably hear from his voice. Completely hairless. Besides his face, nothing. So, uh, I'm actually looking forward to a little bit of uh, a little bit of a coat development from this. So, sheep swirls. Got it. Sheep swirls also sounds like kind of a like a high end ice cream flavor, like a like the yeah. sheep's milk. Gel gelato, not yeah. a not ice cream. It's a it's a gelato, which fuck gelato, like yeah, like fuck you gelato. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I, I can't get behind that exact entirely because I like the density of gelato. I, I've been thinking a lot about ice cream. I know we're getting off topic, but if we may, I, I think a lot about and and what I've narrowed down desserts. What I like desserts is I, I look for density first. Density mm -hmm. is key. Cookies, ice cream cake if it lacks a certain density it lacks a certain love from me 
and gelato has a density whereas like an edis which is which is good but you can kind of taste the vegetable shortening and it's like really whipped so it's a lot it's airy and light and and then don't even get into halo fucking top whatever yeah. the, that is Ew. that's that's horrible horrible and it's, it's basically tough. air yeah and it should be stopped that's what i'm saying yeah it's i mean but i guess i i take i say that to gelato because i'm team custard i like the creaminess of custard so they're not the same is this what i'm i didn't know this. no no gelato to me is a lighter yeah, it's lighter it's uh, i almost sometimes i also think of gelato as the you know like passion fruit gelato or like or no now i'm still i am over into sorbet land sorbet and i think because short sorrel sorrel and sorbet wait it's oh not squirrel so it's called sheep sorrel okay what's really going on with sheep sorrel I'm, I, I apologize for the gelato tangent what's what is sheep sorrel no this no this is this is necessary clearly i i will go this is what immediate regret feels like guys i apologize to gelato i don't i have a big hill to, to climb now i just you know fuck sorbet fuck you sorbet mm, i can get behind gelato. something like that yeah yeah um, oh, okay and so then there's indian rhubarb root um which is used traditionally in small amounts this herb helps support waste elimination in the liver so good good little liver cleanse that's kind of nice hey so can so back to i'm uh, on a serious note sheep sorrel is that sorrel. that's a herb are these can i picture these things you said burdock root i'm picturing like a plant and then its root system is is taken out of the ground chopped up dehydrated that's that's mm -hmm. the kind of thing we're getting into yes and what's the sheep sorrel is that a leaf or a, do you want do you know that one i don't based on this picture it looks like um those flower i don't know what those flowers are they're like little puffy kind of flowers but they're tall they're tall puffy flowers if that and they're usually brightly colored um no idea what kind of flower it is but they're really pretty and that's what that looks like so i think it's a flower okay and this essiac or sorry the indian rhubarb root another root and then the slippery elm is a bark whoa yeah so you can just take these things, harvest them from nature. If you, if I found a slippery elm tree, I can, yeah. take, I can harvest that. I, I wash it, I assume. And is there, I'm sure there's parts of the bark too. Maybe like, like there's layers of skin. Am I onto something here? Yeah, this does say the inner bark. So you're definitely onto something. Okay. And, and I can take that and I dehydrate it just to rehydrate it. Or you can dr probably drink it fresh. Is there anything wrong with drinking fresh plant tea? No, I don't think so. And that's actually something that's that's good to uh, good to understand. But I think the, the reasoning behind the dehydration process is for expiration on, on teas. It, you get it to last longer when you dehydrate um, anything. So I've, I have some orange peels, for instance, that I've had now for pushing on six months, seven months, and they're still perfectly good. I, I still throw them in teas and and concoctions so mm -hmm. that's the primary reason for doing the whole dehydration stuff 
I gotta say, when you get you gave me this, I I got this tea, and you and I just did a four day fast recently, and and this was the only tea I, I drank a little coffee in the morning, and then I had one cup of this in the evening, mm. and um, so it's you know these all these benefits around tea, if I if it doesn't get me like high, it's hard for me to feel, you know, if I don't feel it, yeah, it's hard for me to buy in. Now that's like kind of. A mental disorder, I think, uh, that I'm, I'm working through. But it's like multivitamins and, and and tea. It's like they're so good for you, but I don't get that physical sensation that makes me think about it. So it kind of leaves me with a question mark, or an internal question mark, or asking more. Or, like, what do you? What's your take on on medicines that you don't necessarily feel? Yeah, I. Dude, that's a great question and um, something I agree with you that I've struggled with. I don't, and I think you're in the majority here. I would argue that when people, and maybe it's because of the the culture that we've built around, uh, like cannabis and alcohol, where those are such drugs that you feel like instantaneously sometimes, and these are things that, and now consuming like tea so much i do feel differences in the teas that i drink hmm. and maybe i'm not saying it's not a hundred percent not placebo um which is a different thing to just talk about because placebo effect is really cool but there's definitely something that i feel like one of the herbs that i feel a lot is ashwagandha have you had experience with that uh, yeah, you must have shared that with me. No, I'm thinking puer. I can't think of where the flavor or the sensation of ashwagandha. Yeah, so ashwagandha is a it's a major male support herb. Um, it's the the quote attached to it typically is that it'll give you the gusto or the vibrance of a stallion mm. and it's and it's actually for sexual stamina is a mm. is one of those and so this is a i feel i've actually recently have been deciding to incorporate ashwagandha daily in some sort so i have just straight ashwagandha powder i also have a tea that is a male support tea i have a couple different just blends because ashwagandha itself tastes very bitter, very uh, earthy, maybe similar to this. I mean, all the herbs kind of have that similar dirt-like taste. But this one, yeah, it's, it's real bitter. And so it's nice to cut it with something sweeter or something just to mask it in. And, yeah, I feel that one. You feel it. Do you do it on a fast on an empty stomach? I... So I've kind of stopped the intermittent fasting. So now I, the first thing I do every day is the is bone broth and a nice little breakfast, usually an omelet of some sort. So now I'm yeah, I'm doing that with with food, and I didn't drink any of that during our four day fast. I actually stuck with puer and dandelion root tea for that. Mm. Yeah. So yeah, so male, so you're doing a lot of male, a male potency things. Are you in question of your gender right now? Or that's that has nothing to do with it. You're just trying to really embrace your masculine. 
always in question. If I've learned anything, it's to question everything at all times. And that has been one. I ask mom about that a lot. Like, what's going on with me? And she never has an answer for me. So maybe I have to find different sources. But uh, yeah, it's a good question. Definitely questioning my masculinity slash just gender in in general. And the tea helps. And the tea helps. That Well, the tea, uh, so it's yeah. masculine focus. Will it also repair the relationship I have with our father? For you specifically, yes. Oh, wow. You know what? If you can hook a brother up. Of course. Of course. Hook you up. I'm just kidding. I love my father. I actually have a better relationship than ever. I mean, maybe in high school, I could use some ashwagandha tea. But you know what? Young man doesn't need to kill their father before moving into into manhood. Uh, Hypothetically, of course. My father's still alive. Our father's still alive. You know, we're blessed in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, we are. And he's an amazing man. Really been a been a blessing to have as a father in our lives so shout out al shout out al yeah we got lucky and you know some people are trying to convolute that as some sort of disadvantage I, you know you listen to you listen to the rogan experience and he's like yeah the best people i know like were yeah. orphans who were beaten and left in the closet for 15 days at a time and it's like wow man am i ever gonna accomplish anything i you know my dad uh bought me a gym membership in high school you know i don't know if i can you know i in it's just tough to tough to see the where my pain will come from. So I maybe I had to manufacture some pain outside of my family experience, um, you know, to grow in in a sense. And you know what? Maybe I'll never be an Olympic wrestler. That's pro- that's that's possible as well. That's your that's your like pinnacle of a man grow a grown a grown man as an Olympic wrestler. He was talking to Jordan Burroughs when I the last one I was listening to, who is a gold medalist Olympic wrestler. Yeah, so that's yeah. how that relates. Okay. Okay. Thank you. I wasn't sure if that was like your aspiration because I was gonna say you've never shared a wrestling experience with me. Well, you've shared it with me, but you've never shared those aspirations. I think me having never taken a wrestling class ever in my life in 31, two years might be a better indicator of me not becoming a national wrestling champion than my dad, not our dad, not beating me and leaving me in a closet. But that's a little woo woo perhaps. Yeah. So Nico. Yes. Talk about TikTok. You had like a, a little little burst back in I think it was March. All of a sudden, I remember like the day because this was this was during COVID times when we were living together, and you yeah you all of a sudden like kind of I remember we blew up like one day on TikTok. You want yeah you want to talk about that? Absolutely sure. I yeah 2020 amongst other things, um, there was this little rise. Um, in mediocrity, perhaps. I don't know. I don't know how to quite describe it. So I, I started, I jumped on this TikTok thing um, when it was musicality or musically. Mm. And I messed around with it a little bit of times. And, and, and I would just post, you know, once a week, something like this. And so 2020, I was diagnosed with cancer. I was going through treatment. The COVID thing happened, deemed isolation. But what was in the relevancy of being diagnosed with cancer was I, um, that classic thing happens where your mortality seems a little bit more real and you're like, oh, what haven't I done? 
uh, you, you, you could start thinking about something like a legacy. Did I do enough? What can I do with the time that I have left? Mm-hmm. And on a metaphysical note, I, th- I think we like to stay a little grounded here. We do have the science background. But my sickness was really centered in my throat and my chest. Um, so metaphysically, if I buy into the chakras as much as, a, as much as I can with staying grounded in a sense of Western culture and and a sense of self and, and science and, and what what have you but I'm like okay if my sickness is located in my throat what can I do on a psychological level what can I do on a and what's tangible what's a tangible act I can do and sharing my voice was was a big thing I've mm-hmm. had this story that I've kept a lot inside particularly when it comes to sharing my voice particularly when it's come to singing and not I've done it in a way where I've also been desperately wanting to share. So there's this internal battle where I wanted to share my voice, but I also wasn't letting myself. I think a lot of people who don't share their voice also don't need to or don't want to. And in that in that way, they're healthy and their system is normal. But yeah. I feel like part of the discourse in myself was wanting to share my voice and not not allowing myself to. So TikTok became a platform. And, and one of the reasons TikTok helped me is because I didn't know anyone on TikTok. Therefore, I can take risks. I couldn't, the feeling of judgment uh, of my college roommate who always, you know, our relationship is built on giving each other shit. Um, Mm -hmm. When I post on Instagram, there's always a small voice in the back of my head. Oh, he's, you know, they're seeing this and, you know, I'm I'm a loser, whatever it is. TikTok, I didn't have that. I didn't have any sense of community that knew me. So that anonymity really gave me permission to kind of just go for it. Now that coupled with watching enough Gary V videos, but not too many coupled with watching enough Alan Watts videos and not too many reading some books, I became, I'm like, what can I give as value, right? You know, with the legacy thing, what do I want to leave behind? But also what can I give a viewer? Because what you give a viewer, that's usually the stuff that, that does well, entertainment, comedy, uh, info, and I tried comedy. I'm not particularly funny. I haven't cultivated that skill. But what I found worked was I, I really started thinking about all the travesties pretty much I had growing up with no sexual guidance, no big brother, if you will, to really bounce ideas off of to tell me, hey, when you're fingering someone, you don't need to be a rapid, you know, rabid or whatever it is. That's just what's on my mind right now. But basically, I was stumbling my way. I was a late virgin breaker. I didn't break my virginity until like college, 19 years old, more or less. And and then it was just stumbling through these sexual experiences. All this being said, I started a series on TikTok, mm-hmm. Things I Wish I Knew About Sex Before I Was 30. And I posted it and I kind of had that feeling. I kind of was energized by it. I let it. I let it go. The next day I go on there and there was some on tens of thousands of views. Cool. I made a series of nine of those and that transformed into a series of things I wish I knew before 30. I'm on part 32. I posted part 32 today and um, a few of them, five or 10 of them have gone into the hundreds of thousands and millions of views people have taken to them. And in a way, um, 
it's blown up. Now, how long that'll last, how long I can rest kind of in that pocket and kind of make the same thing over and over again. I'm not sure. I like making them and I'm going to keep going. Um, but you know, the lifetime of TikTok in general, is it a 2020 thing? I think eventually I'll have to learn how to adapt as this skill set that I'm creating, uh, into something else, um, in order to kind of continue this, this momentum, if you will. Yeah. Well, being a man who young man who's 25, I appreciate it. I appreciate your, your knowledge. And I've actually gotten firsthand physical experience from, from Nico. And I can tell you, he's, uh, <laughs> he's right now. It, would, uh, it would be something. nightmares. But no, I, I think it's a really cool experience. And like just the stories that you've shared with me of people, yeah, predominantly young men, correct? So that's my target. No, you know what? Go ahead. I know you want to tell the story. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to share that I predominantly young men reaching out to you, and that's uh, cool. And that's cool that that it's a that you have that target audience because young men are confused. We're we are confused, and and you, I think, are especially with TikTok, you're you're a little shoulder that they can come and hey, look for advice. So what? What were you gonna say? No, no. Thanks for saying that. And you and you know what? A lot of it is that target audience. I mean, it's 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 out of not only because men need it. It's like who can I talk to? Who do I have the audacity to talk to? And that's what am I gonna do? Tell you know a woman like I'm not I'm not gonna write a book like the third trimester and things to expect. That's Bill that's Bill Burr's joke, but for our purposes, it's it makes sense. You know, so I'm talking to basically myself as a young man. Uh, I'm putting the viewer first. That's what is important when creating content. I think that's that's kind of the gold. If you're looking for one thing to pick, like how can I create content that's consumed? It's like, okay, viewer first. Part of me learning about this was con I consumed hours of TikTok, not afraid that I was consuming it. You know, I consumed it with the intention of what's this platform about? And I noticed that people were building series and these series yeah. were actually taking off. So I'm like, okay, maybe a series. I started writing down um, possible series titles and I, I may have wrote down 30, you know, like whatever, 20, 100. And, and most all of them were, were shit. Mm -hmm. and, and even the ones that were shit somehow fed into the, the one that did work. So talking to young men, um, yes, it is important. I think, you know, men do get are getting beaten up pretty good right or wrong deserved or not you know it's uh yeah i think men need some support and i think i'd like to give that that being said uh 50 of because you see the demographics that like look at your at oh, your yeah. stuff 50 are it's actually a split 50 oh, really? are women so I do have people reaching out to me. That's been really nice, really validating. It also made me think like, oh, this is, these are real people too. Cause they're not just like, it's not just numbers on a screen. I'm not just getting pumped up by an, by a, an app for some third party reason. Um, these are real people and they're reaching out to me with real issues. And, and I got the time for people too. I think a lot of people or a lot of, uh, maybe this is false. Cause I haven't reached out to my here, like, people I admire 
people that make cool stuff directly that much. But when I have, it hasn't really been responded to. And I make an effort to anyone who reaches out to me, I write back. And that's because I'm not too big, but also because I want people to feel valued. I think the content I'm putting out there attempts to be heart forward. It's like, it's basically the same shit. It's basically like, how can you build self-awareness? How can you build self-esteem in yourself? How can you be honest with yourself and therefore with others? And by putting that content out there, I think it's kind of a, a nice responsibility to respond to people as they, as they reach out and, uh, and trust me with their, with their issues in life. Yeah. There's an authenticity in how you present the, present the content as well. Cause even as simple as you just keeping it literally walking around in nature, that's what you do in all your videos. And it's like, just, it's nice. It's like, a, there's a piece to that as well as just, like I said, the authenticity in your stories that you share. And then, yeah, it, I think that gives those people that comfort to, reach out as well as calling yourself everyone's uncle. I think that's, uh, it's nice knowing you have an uncle. Who you can trust. Yeah. That's Snoop Dogg inspired. I, I feel, I feel like, um, because the app, you know, the, the content I was making things I wish I knew before 30 is directed at, at young people. Although I get people who are 60, you know, all ages kind of writing yeah. and commenting. Um, it's like, who would tell you, this kind of information it's like oh your uncle and then snoop dogg is the man and he you know he's everyone's uncle and you know he does it in a way where it's not creepy it's not because uncle could be a creepy uncle too there's yeah. that motif or or something well, especially when you're talking to young men about sex yeah. it can you you're tiptoeing on that line but you've done a good job at staying on the not creepy side in my opinion thank you you're welcome. Thank you. <laughs> and then, I mean, so yeah, first off, it's grown to this. Yeah. Do you have kind of, first of all, do you have like a number, like a part, you said you're at 32, part 32. Is there something that you're reaching towards or are you just kind of gonna, you said, just roll this out until people start losing interest? Like, how's that? Yeah. So actually most recently I became uninspired. You know, I hit, I hit 30. I was trying to get to number like, yeah, part 30 seems like a good place to, to stop if you will. And, uh, I pressed through and I started, you know, just to really ask myself and feel into myself. I'm like, okay, am I just doing this? Um, or are these, yeah, how authentic am I being and how much am I just kind of I don't want to lose the little momentum I have. So I just keep feeding in and there's a little bit of that. I mean, man, I, it's a little bit of both. I want to show up for this craft every day. I want to show up for the community that TikTok has built for me or that I've contributed to, to kind of huddling up into this one, into this one space and, yeah, and, uh, and contribute to them. But I also want it to be, valuable and not forced and real lessons that I'm learning in real time um, that that gen that offer perspective. So I kind of just have to like, yeah, some myths. I don't know. To answer that question, some of them miss in a way. Uh, not all the contents, you know, goes to a million, if you will. Not that mm -hmm. that's like the barometer 
uh, yeah, it's become kind of a low barometer for success. And I kind of today I made the realization I just took four days off because I was going every day, posting every single day. I think I probably did 50 days in a row. And this was the first time I took like three full days off and just to kind of reorientate myself. And, and, um, I don't have a number that I'm going to, I am going to keep going. I would like to go into a different series perhaps and start something new. I have been really thinking of like making proper ass videos, like writing stories, doing one minute, really powerful short. Cause the, your ability to videotape on a phone is is becoming so good and with certain filters you can really paint like emotion and and i want to like kind of share these lessons without telling the lessons directly to the camera i want to show them through cinema i want to show them creatively so where i just had this realization kind of yesterday i'm like i want to branch off into more of a creative explanation of these important themes where I can get a less, you know, get these themes across in a way like Pixar does without maybe cartoons where they're saying these important, important things, but through a story and they're not just telling it to you like a, like a teacher would their, their high school class. It's, it's more for the viewer to extract themselves by witnessing a story. Sounds like interpretive dance is in your future, bro. Don't even I had to give up my dance career. Oh, it's not over. It's just, you know. Not over. It's just beginning. <laughs> I'm mad I didn't do tap dance shoes for Christmas now. But <laughs> that's, um, no, that's that's cool. I didn't know that. That's, uh, I think that is, like I said, you've had such like a simple format of just recording yourself, walking around, telling, sharing these stories. But yeah, you are such a creative soul. And you have that creativity aspect about you that that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. So it'll be cool because I know you're going to follow through with that. I know you're going to do something with that. So it'll be cool to see how you do it because my mind goes directly, like you said, to a cartoon style. Like that seems almost easy and kind of expected, but I think there's a lot of avenues. Well, what's easy and what's been good for me, because I'm not an animator, I'm not a director, cinematographer, I, I haven't gone to school. TikTok has been so important for making video editing accessible. They have a really solid video editing, like accessible to everyone. So now I'm a video editor. And fortunately, the world was craving raw footage at the time. They were f- craving a shaky can't like a not perfect camera. They were like good audio is a thing. I think decent lighting, a decent. So like I would, I learned that if I just, you know, shot during the daytime, it was as simple as natural lighting shooting during the daytime with, with decent and phones are good enough for decent audio. It's like I, and, and the market craved this raw style. I feel like the more I edited it, the more people would actually, the more transitions I interlaced, the more filters I interlaced, the content that I was putting out there, people were responding less. Mm. So I liked, I mean, that was both ease on my part, but also seemed to factor into some sort of growth equation where I think getting into more of a creative avenue, it seems a little scary right now. It seems like some years away. It seems like more of a team task because I feel like I got to write a story. I got to write a concept. Whereas now, now 
I'm kind of going off of wisdom and knowledge that I've learned from Alan Watts, from Carl Jung, from Eckhart Tolle, from, you know, my own meditations and, and from songs like, and, uh, yeah. And, and to paint that in a way that's not so direct, I feel like it'll take a little bit more effort to draw up a storyboard, if you will, to, to make that happen. So I don't know. I think this is kind of far in the future. I'm going to continue rolling with these mm -hmm. classic wisdoms, this like sex advice that's a little funny and a little, uh, yeah, a little helpful. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, entire. I mean, I know nothing about that whole editing world and that's just like a, it's a completely different realm. And that, that'd be really cool though. Like you said, I think that is a team effort. That's when you start to grow the, the Nico brand and start to figure out who that is and who wants to be on that team. But I'm excited for that. That'll be, that'll be really cool. And I think take, take my advice from someone who does not have the growing that you have on TikTok, but I maybe even sporadically introducing those new ideas while you're maintaining your things. I wish I knew before 30 test out these different things. And that could be a cool, method to see how those do in comparison and then if those work out then that, that could be your bridge to start a new series or something like that yeah some people say start a new page and some people talk about oh. that that trickle effect and you know what i have because before i was doing the TikTok thing i was trying to make and i say trying intentionally because i wasn't being consistent and I wasn't doing the things that in hindsight it takes to actually expand some sort of growth network on Instagram, but I was doing movement videos. I was doing mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, basically not workout videos. Cause it's kind of what I like to do is like a hybrid of dance and working out. So functional movement patterns and, and things like this. And I would put out a video like once a month and it was decent feedback. Now, I decided to continue with that in TikTok because TikTok gave me actually a better platform to edit and put these videos together. You can do voiceovers easier. You could incorporate music when you wanted to and and text directly on the screen. And the, mu the movement videos I posted for me. I knew that the market wanted these things. I wish I this these wisdom videos coming from an old 30-year-old or whatever. But I did those for me and actually two of them did equally as well as the videos and which was kind of nice to see that people TikTok is notoriously niches you into your thing if you're a dancer you dance if you are a com comedian you comedy and uh i was kind of nice to make videos that were actually successful outside of where i was pigeonholed we made that gardening video together where it was yeah. a slideshow of us building this like uniquely patterned garden and that mm -hmm. blew that did amazing and then i made these uh, shoulder movements, what was it called? Sh building shoulders for longevity and building knees for longevity. And those videos blew up and those were movement orientated videos. And and uh, it was nice to have a little bit of crossover where most people are telling you to not do any crossover in this TikTok realm. But I don't know how long TikTok's going to last. Some people say, you know, it's a, it's a nice shining star like that or a shooting star. And that might be true. So... I'm, Interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna keep going with as long as it'll have me. Yeah, I will. Is that 
idea of TikTok being a nice shooting star, I thought that they got bought out by some big company now in America. And so now they're here to stay. This is the rumors I've heard, but do you, if you know more, I'm interested. No, I, I don't know more, but just be, because they were bought out by another company, that that could mean the death of it as well. That could equally okay. mean that it's not, yeah. you know, because they had a winning formula and to completely change a team to, you know, to retrofit it to a, a country, it doesn't necessarily mean it's here to stay. Like I think Vine, for example, and like there are people who did incredible on Vine. TikTok yeah. is, a, is like fourth generation Vine in some ways. That's what Musical.ly was. And it's like, well, the Logan brothers were of Vine, I believe. I Wait, don't know that. Or not the Logan, the Paul brothers. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they were Vine stuff. I think they were. But my point is, is there's been like three or four Vine people that have made it in a way. They continued a sense of career through creating content. And I yeah. think like the Charlie DiMatteos or I don't whatever their names are. I think there are some people in the TikTok world that will continue. 100%. And I'm hoping that I could take the skills that I've learned and have been afforded through TikTok and translate them because I do want to continue to create uh, content. I do like these collaborative creative projects where I get to, you know, be seen, you know, for the ego side um, yeah. and to be heard and to feel validated and, and all the ego stuff. Um, but I also like to do it on a soul's level and, and try to stay orientated um, to my overarching purpose, which, as you know, but uh, most listeners don't, is to uh, help restore the American bison population back to the Great Plains. Yeah. And I guess going to that, how, when did that, because that's new, like that's new for me. I mean, within the last couple of months, you've been gung ho about that. And it's awesome. But how, why, when, where? Like where did it start? I'm trying. You know, it wasn't one of those things that was. It was an aha. That being, because I, I started doing the functional farming thing. You know, dipping my toes into it. I did some permaculture, visiting farms. Mm -hmm. uh, I listened to the Joe Salatin guy. He inspired me at various points, and I'm like, and that's when I got into the gardening in 2020, and 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 you and I building the garden in yeah. the backyard. And but as far as the as the bison, it's like it just. It just made so much sense. And then as soon as I'm like, oh, that's a great idea. I should do that. Now, all of a sudden, all this information supporting that mission just started literally shooting my direction. So I made that decision. No particular date. Let's call it a meditation because I don't know. And then that day or, or that week, whatever it was, I was introduced to, I forget his name, but his last name is Savory. And he has a TED Talk where he basically outlines how pack animals, particularly cattle and grazing animals, including packards like elephants, they eat grasslands. So people were hypothesizing that the that like the, the world is desertifying. So there's becoming more and more grasslands are becoming deserts. The Sahara Desert was a luscious, luscious place at one time. They were saying that these packard animals eating the grass was contributing to desertification. So they destroyed a large percentage of the elephant population Whoa. only to find out that it did the exact opposite effect. These Packard animals in not only 
sustain but increase the longevity of grasslands and not only increase the longevity but they can actually re-implement grasslands where there once was desert so these pack animals were are increasingly increasingly important for our land for our soil for the our water supplies and, and for the health of the planet now going after kind of deciding this was the thing to do what how i choose to spend my time religiously is kind of i sit in teepees sometimes i sit with plant medicine actually my favorite tea up to this point has been the hallucinogenic brew ayahuasca which i'd be happy to talk about on if at some point maybe not yeah. now but the lakota nation is and the great plains native peoples part of their decimation was eliminating the bison population which they lived their entire life on the bison population was at 60 million in the 1800s 60 million and colonists arrived and destroyed that population down to under a thousand from 60 million to a thousand fields 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 of just dead bison with no intention to collect their meat no intention to collect their food just to take away the food and the life supply of the native peoples so i'm i've come to realize that also healing this ancestral trauma that lives on our land woo woo or not there are still people who are living this trauma it's not like some it doesn't have to be also metaphysical or also metaphorical but you and i have a friend ryan badhartpool who's of the lakota nation we met him at jujitsu i talk to him still and okay so for those who are interested not to talk too much about this just research ghost dance and part of the lakota and the native plains people's mission is to help restore the bison population bring them back to the land because they know how important they are for the health of the planet and the health of the communities who so i think environmentally socially and tangibly this is just something i can really contribute my energy to it's just mm-hmm. also selfishly i love bison meat like i, <laughs> I love eating eating meat so to bring the population back means good, clean food for me. It means good, clean land, which has been decimated by monocrop culture. And I want to bring it back to the Great Plains. We have hundreds of thousands of acres that is not being used because the soil has been degraded by, mono, by monocropping. So we can regenerate that land using bison. We bring the bison back. They shit on the ground. They eat the grass. They restore the soil. Better soil means grasslands. Better grasslands means better water. Bison bring coming back means we bring our wolves back. Wolves are keystone species. There's, it's just like all of these things are clicking in my head. As soon as I just had this re, like this rele, this revelation, revelation, <laughs> like this is a thing that I can contribute my life to that has effects for my for me all the way up to the to the macro. Yeah, that's I mean, and you've seen it on this scale in Yellowstone. Uh, have you heard of like when they've reintroduced wolves into Yellowstone? I haven't. Did you you have not. Yes. I And so I don't know as much about this as you do about the bison, but I don't know the years. they. There was a time in Yellowstone that they decimated the wolves because they wanted 
the other wildlife to to prosper or something along those lines and they so they allowed wolves to be hunted the wolves were hunted to a near extinction in yellowstone which not only decimated the wolf culture but also all of a sudden they had an extreme abundance of everything all the prey animals that the wolves would would prey on and then therefore the shrubbery and the the foliage can change because now all of these animals are decimating the forest they're just eating everything there's no there's no chance for these things to grow into the mature um the mature species that they need to be so that now the animals can't eat them it happened so much that it literally changed the waterways there are new rivers now in yellowstone because there was so much like erosion that would happen because there just wasn't trees and stuff to block the rivers that there's now different rivers. So they finally, it dawned on them. And I say them, I don't know who they are. The people who run Yellowstone, it dawned on them to, Hey, let's reintroduce wolves. Cause there's a way overpopulation of this elk of deer of bison. <laughs> it's funny, but they did. And the wolves came back, the wolves grew, they, the other populations dropped back to normal and everything started to flourish. So this, I mean, we've seen this already and it works. It's exactly what you're talking about. So that's amazing. That's, it's an amazing, uh, just feat to, to go after and go towards because one, not enough people do know about this. So being able to talk about it and share about it is important, but I guess, taking a step further, what is something that you're doing actively, maybe on a daily, weekly, monthly basis to support this? Yeah. And just to plug just the Ted talk by someone, something savory S A V V O R Y. Um, that has all the evidence you need. They have pictures of deserts returning back to, to grasslands, uh, with the reintroduction of, of Packard animals. So what I'm doing now is only education at this point. I, it does feel a little frustrating because that is the question I ask myself every day. How every day am I contributing to to this mission? I don't need this mission to come from me, but I do need to feel a sense of giving myself energetically to the cause. So right now it's about talking about it, which talk is certainly cheap at, at certain points. So I'm educating myself. There's actually courses on Savory Institute. Uh, com or org, and no, I don't work for them. And no, this this all happened after. Um, so I'm taking these courses on grasslands, grassland repair, okay. and they've been insightful. A lot of what I've shared has come from them, and um, and I'm looking at I'm building I'm building I'm building a business plan in terms of how do we reclaim the land that we can no longer use for farming in a way where we can convince the government, convince the owners of the land to subsidize this land so that we can put bison. Now bison need, they need space to roam. Yeah. They need, I mean, for, for a pack of, of 15, you need a hundred plus acres and my, and I might be wrong. I think a hundred acres for a pack of 15. So it's not, so when we get into the repairing the population back to the millions, I mean, you, 
you're talking about millions of acres as well and strung together in a way where they can roam. They're not fenced in and boxed in. So I think what it looks like at first is getting land through subsidy or through private or through private means and building fencing and just putting bison on there heavy and and giving them enough space where they can move and roam and, and be free and and just starting to restore the bison population. Also, an abstract way is by buying bison meat is by supporting yeah. the bison industry so that the demand the public demand goes up and therefore the supply will have to match it so yeah. increasing um the support for bison farmers right now is just a way to contribute to it but i, I want to do a little bit more i want to eventually help what, what i really want to do and this and i have no idea this is like a dances with wolves fantasy but yeah. I want the native people, the res the reservation land. I want to basically drop off a thousand bison to every reservation, and just be like, "These are your guys to take care of," <laughs> Put, or, yeah. or, to, or to not take care of. My, I think a herd will will take care of itself in a lot of ways. These these creatures did survive without humans fucking with them for, you know as long as it took to make them. Yeah. So I want to like drop off like 10,000 bison at every reservation and be like, look, put up a fence, let these buffalo roam, maybe somehow reclaim what has been lost and decimated so that five generations from now, you can have a part of the traditions that you've lost. So like, I, I want to like donate millions of bison to the native peoples somehow and in a good way where it's not you know it's not taking it's it's legitimate giving yeah yeah that's interesting and i want to take a step back back to what you said about the consuming the buffalo bison meat do you know and this has always been a question of mine because i think you can agree that one of the biggest atrocities man has ever committed is factory farming is bison meat done in a factory farming style or is it safe to assume that when you're buying bison meat it's done sustainably i, I just can't speak for all of it i know that it's such a, it's still such a niche that to have warehouses full of bison stuck in cage in in five by five cells just with their heads sticking through a, a feeding trough i haven't seen or heard anything like that the pipe the population is still small it's still at around 30 to forty thousand bison most of them are living in yellowstone so i don't think now uh, i think with factory farming you're talking about how the animals raised not how it's processed Yes. Because I think processing facilities are processing facilities. Yeah. You line them up, you send them down a chute, pop, 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 pop. Like that might still be the processing. Mm -hmm. um, but, I'm, you know, in terms of the lifestyle of the bison from calf to mature, um, I think because it's such a niche thing, I think it is still, and they're not docile, by the way. 
There, there is something called beefalo where they take cows and they've bred them with bison. And the reason they do that is because bison are wild and they'll mm -hmm. fuck you up. They're not to be messed with. So like, and cattle are, are more docile. You can, you can kind of, and they, this beefalo is nice for the domestication of buffalo to have the meat, but also to have a more docile creature that's more, you can manipulate more in a way. Um, that might be more approaching the factory style that is certainly frowned upon. Um, but no, I don't know. I don't know uh, the percentage of factory farm bison, and I don't. I don't think it's high at all. I mean, I think there's some factory farms who have thirty thousand cattle in their factory, and we're mm -hmm. talking about thirty thousand bison total in the in the United States of America. Yeah. So just the numbers don't add up. Yeah, that's that's absolutely wild. That that makes me think: Are bison anywhere else besides North America? I don't think so, but like, you know, there's, there's cat. What's that? Does Italy have bison? Absolutely not. It was, we all know Italy has no wildlife at all. Besides, besides actually I learned today that, um, the, the greyhound, the, the actual dog or the bus, the bus is their, uh, is their national animal. The greyhound, the bus, the greyhound bus is mm -hmm. the national animal. That makes sense. Yes. The Ferrari, no, I don't, no, definitely there's no, I think there, I mean, there's cattle all over the world yeah. there's, and there's definitely species of, I don't know, there's an American bison that just seems so unique, that that big long face and like the fuzzy head and like, mm -hmm. I just, yeah, I, I don't see anything like that in Africa or, oh. yeah, or anywhere. Yeah, that's that's unique, but yeah, the, the the bison. I mean, having been to Yellowstone, there are signs everywhere because people do it every year. You can look it up. People go and they see a, a buffalo like on the side of the road because when you're driving through Yellowstone, they're everywhere, hmm. and people get out of their cars and take selfies with them. Yeah, and I've seen that in firsthand, and obviously the person ends up being fine, but you also read. Every year you can look it up. People are getting just destroyed by the. They're huge. huge. They, if you've never seen a bison in real life, they are, yeah, ginormous. Just cars. They are literal cars yeah. with horns, and it's um, so intimidating. I mean, but extremely fascinating and, and beautiful at the same time. So that's interesting. I've never heard of the beefalo before. But that's cool, dude. That's cool. So maybe switching gears a little, going back a little on the um, create creative side. You started a podcast back in, I believe, November. Is that correct? Was it? I think it was October. Oh, yeah, it was last year. Okay, um, last year, 2020. Yeah, you started. You started the Goodwind podcast the good one podcast yeah you want to kind of talk a little bit about that yeah so part of you know the validation that i felt from sharing my voice on tiktok you know some sort of um you know building up a little bit of audience and being inspired to do a podcast for so long now i was trying to make a podcast for all of 2019 2020 how i failed it seems silly at this point knowing how tangible it is 
to, to do so. But what I was doing was I was trying to basically convince people, basically build a team to build, to make a podcast for a year. And I'd set up these, these meetings with people and I'd vet these people. Are we good co-hosts? Is this going to work out? And I'd, I'd be waiting on people mm. to be, and to ultimately let me down. And, and just, again, saying enough is enough, being ready to share myself and having the small amount of validation and encouragement from the TikTok community that I had is like, okay, let's just do it. I had a laptop already, so it was about buying a nice microphone. I videotape my, my podcast. You can see them on YouTube. And so it was buying a camera. And, and getting going really and then the rest and i'm slowly learning i'm sorry slowly creating a more refined production and like and show and it's it's really it's like a long form monologue content and you know i i same overarching mission how do i build the self-esteem of myself how do i build the self-esteem of the listener how do I create a sense of authenticity by sharing my experiences um, as authentically as possible so someone can extract value on their own terms and while whilst being entertained as much as possible? I do try to be funny at times. As successful as I am, the beauty about podcasts, I have no idea. Some people <laughs> said that they have laughed before in a podcast. I've done 40 episodes now. I've gotten one confirmed laugh. So <laughs> it has happened. It's just, I, I, I do try to be entertaining. I do share stories. Now I am a, uh, I do like plant medicine and I do the jujitsu and I do, and I've survived cancer and I've traveled, you know, parts of the world to extent. So, uh, I've experienced loss. I've experienced love rejection. So, um, it's about sharing myself authentically, but it's about building something. It's about showing up for something every day. Uh, and you know, with the overarching mission to, to monetize eventually so that I can contribute to this goal of, of restoring, you know, having this bison farm or bringing bison back to the great plant. Yeah. Uh, I love that. It's the, the long form TikToks, but again, you can go, you can dive deeper. It's almost again, bridging that idea of creating these stories with your TikToks. You're, you're doing that cause you're, being authentic and just sharing what's happened in your life on a longer form. And then if you want to bring it down to a one minute style, now I think you're like, you're right there. It's just having, you know how to do TikTok, you know how to share long form and make it entertaining, funny. I'll confirm I've laughed multiple times. So you got two confirmed laughs. Um, Not that it's three, but okay. You said multiple times. But go ahead. That's true. That's true. So you have three confirmed. But it's I think that's that nice bridge. I think you're you're right there. You're you're on that path, and that's cool. And I do have to say it's just been inspiring for me. I mean, that's the reason why we're here now talking, is because you started this beer podcast. It inspired me to do this for myself. Well, appreciate that, man. I appreciate I mean, you're my favorite person so i appreciate that very much too. hey stop keep going. Oh. <laughs> don't stop please never stop well 
Nico, how can people find you? Um, like what's what's the best besides TikTok? I mean, we went to TikTok one, a good one. Is there anything else that those are probably can- the best place? I mean, TikTok, it's at Nico underscore is Nico is you probably find me. Uh, Instagram, Nico Lapalusa, and the Goodwin podcast is on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, and pretty much every place podcasts can be found. Uh, you can stream it, listen to it, or you can watch it on YouTube. Those are the those are the spots. Awesome. I did almost forget, and that's very rude of me. If you've listened to the Team Migos podcast before, you know that we always end with the Urban Dictionary T word of the day. So, Nico, I'm going to give you this honor. What What would you like to What would you like to look up on Urban Dictionary today? I didn't know I had to be prepared. I don't know any Urban Dictionary words. Do I get choices? It no. This is think of a T word. That's about the, my first word was T. Was literally I just looked up the definition of T on Urban Dictionary. The second one was fasting. So we're at number three. If you want to do something related to this episode, if you want to do something T related, whatever you want, man. Okay, so it. I can think of any T word, and there there will be an Urban Dictionary. What if there's no? Okay, I guess we just yeah, there, might not, there might not be. In which case, I will tell you to. Choose another one. Okay, would would slippery elm be on there or sheep swirls? Oh, which one? Which one do you want first? Slippery elm. It's a dangerous. Not gonna be on there. Oh, it is though. And so I'm just gonna if you if you came for the tea and came for the good content, thank you. You know where to find Nico. Um, we appreciate you. If uh, if you want a, a good laugh, if you if you want some maybe a little bit of the explicit content, stay tuned for the next. Let's see, there's there's only one definition, so for the next next like minute or two, well, because uh, yeah, let's just get into it. So Nick, Nico, you chose slippery elm, and the Urban Dictionary T word of the day is slippery elm. So the definition is. A sexual act performed by a person of average stature mm. and a person of below average stature in which the average sized person coats his or her leg in lubricant and the little person attempts to climb up the tree-like leg towards the junk of the average sized person. Come on over, everyone. Beatrice and I are doing, a, doing the Slippery Elm tonight. So, Nico, thank you so much for... We're not going to unpack that at all? Oh, no. Uh, do you want to? We can. Let's unpack it. Yeah. But I was why, let why did their size have anything to do... Why couldn't it just be a person lubricates their leg, another person tries to climb it towards the junk? It does I guess we don't have to ask that question. It's just... What does that mean? It makes sense that there's two different sized people. Think about it. I mean, like if you got two large people, I mean, I don't know. It's yeah, that's a whole new, that's a slippery oak probably. Yeah, it's slippery oak. I mean, slippery elm, elm's not like the monster of all trees. It's a, I don't know, man. I don't, who write, who writes urban dictionary definitions? Get them on the think- show. Get him. I was thinking about this because 
And now, see, this is just one definition. If you've listened before and you've stuck through my Urban Dictionary T word of the day, it there are sometimes six definitions, and they get progressively more exotic. You got to look up sheep swirl. If she, if she, because we only had one definition, you know, sheep swirl. Sheep swirl. You heard him, folks. We have maybe burdock. Maybe two. Yeah, what's your oh sheep sorrel is not unfortunately okay. Burdock. We're we're just gonna go we're gonna do you know the SEACT blend. Oh no, that's Bardock. Burdock is B U R is it Burdock root or just let's just do Burdock. That's your that's your lane. Okay. So we got two definitions. Definition number one. Burdock is any of a group of biennial thistles in the genus Arctis, Arcti, Arctium family Asteraceae. This is, I'm sorry, my Latin's not. This is Dungeons and Dragons? See, I told you this was Hogwarts shit. All right. Yeah. Is that, you want to try that again or are we moving on? There's more. The prickly heads of these plants are noted for easily catching onto fur and clothing, thus providing an excellent mechanism for seed dispersal hmm. birds cause local irritation and can possibly cause intestinal hairballs in pets however most animals avoid ingesting these plants julian you're covered in burdocks i hate those fucking things <laughs> okay. what's it called burdocks those oh birds you know it makes sense birds is just yeah. short Burdocks, is that what we're learning here today? And that's what we're drinking or no? No, a root. Burdock root. Got it. Okay. Yeah, we're drinking the root. Yeah. So, ooh, number two. Now, this is just a short a short little sweet one. And, you know, I might use it. Burdocks. Playful term of endearment for one's plump buttocks. Ooh. Matt, my body aches from all the walking we did today. Will you please rub my burdocks? I like that one. That's a really nice one to end on to. That is a nice one. That is a nice one. And I'm for sure going to use this mm. moving towards the future. So this is real yeah. definitions. I can use it. This is not just made up stuff. I thought Urban Dictionary was all made up. I just realized that there is a who this is by underneath. So that one is by Sarah Beth Rem Martin. Four names on November 9th, 2007. And it gives you the option to click on who Sarah Beth Rem Martin is. Oh, so it just gives. You don't trust someone with two first names, and you definitely don't trust someone with three first names. Yeah, Beth is. Do you consider Rem a first name? Martin. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> just. <laughs> <laughs> so when you click on Sarah Beth Rem Martin, it just gives her definitions that she's contributed to the Urban Dictionary world, and she's only given one other, which is Peachy Poe. Um, we gotta end on Burdocks, bro. We can't do Peachy yeah, Poe. So Burdocks, I like that. Sarah Beth Rem Martin, I appreciate your playful your playful term of endearment for one's plump buttocks. I hope all three of her burdocks are nice. Okay, anyway, no, that's okay. Thank you so much for having me on here, man. This is a blast. This is an absolute blast. I can't wait to show to do this again.
I know. Yeah, dude, you're definitely going to be back on. Um, I'm excited to hopefully do another one on the good wind as well. So everyone check out Nico at Nico underscore is on TikTok at the good wind podcast. There is an Instagram for both the good wind and he has his personal Instagram, which is again, Nico Lapalusa. Nico Lapalusa. I should know that one probably. Um, so yeah, check him out and send him some love. So thank you, Nico. Thank you, Team Egos, for tuning in and have a great day.